Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 221. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, the man who's got to catch them all, Kevin Rakestraw. Remember, remember Mighty Beans? And yeah. how we would always go, have you? Have you got them all? Because because the little, like the slogan for that was... I, <laughs> I forgot all I was about like, that. Have, have you got them all? But, but we always... <laughs> have you got them all? <laughs> Mighty beans. Mm. So what do you think about this Pokemon Go craze? I, I don't know what it is. I, like, I don't really understand it. I don't really know Pokemon. Like, you just, like, find stuff? Yeah. You just, like, catch yeah. them? In your the game itself is very bare bones. Like, it's there's not a lot of content there as of yet. Apparently, they're going to be adding a lot more stuff. But for now... You basically go out uh, and you find Pokemon in the wild in real life and then catch them. And then you can like, you can power them up and you can evolve them and then you can have them fight other Pokemon at gyms that are at various landmarks in your area and try to take over the gym. So oh, it's, okay. it's, I've been playing it casually i haven't been like going out and trying to hunt down the rare pokemon or anything like that but i was gonna say like i think it would be one of those things that'd be kind of cool like if i was just out if i was like oh let me check my phone yeah. real quick and just scan around and be like ah, oh, no pokemon where i'd be like oh shit that's cool i found one yeah that's and then like i wouldn't be like walking around yeah like i haven't been going out and actively searching but on my way to work and you know, just walking, because I, I live in New York City, so I walk everywhere I go, which is really a perfect place to play this game, because there's tons of these, like, there's these things called Poke Centers, or Pokemon Centers, or something, where you can kind of check in, and they're at various, like, businesses, and just different landmarks and areas, and you get items for checking in, and yeah. so, because there's tons of them everywhere in fact i live above one so you can check in every five minutes and you get more items and more experience so because i live above a poke center or pokemon center whatever they're called uh, i can just continuously check in and i don't i, I get tons of the the balls that you throw at the pokemon so i don't have to like i'm never gonna have to pay real money for any of these items. Yeah, so you're, you're literally just... You stumbled upon a cheat code. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. You're just tapped into the core. Oh it's a God. pretty fun That's game. So it's... There's, there's... I just... I wonder how this game works for, like, small towns. I have... Because I imagine it's going to be, like, super fun for, like, the cities. Because there's got to be, like, a bunch of Pokemon and everyone's playing well, Pokemon. That's the, yeah, that's the thing. The social aspect of it. Like, when, like we went to the park yesterday. And th just tons of people playing it. I mean, it's like... You can see videos online. There was a, like a rare Pokemon that was spotted in Central Park, and there were like yes, there were like yeah. two hundred people that showed up. So it, it's really kind of interesting that it turned into this kind of phenomenon. Will, will it have lasting power? I have no idea. Yeah, like, but I just wonder, like, how how much fun is it for you know, say like the four kids that are playing in Wyoming? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, in like a small town of like. 400 people when you live in a real rural area i imagine you have to drive you'd have to drive to yeah like do you get 
like do you get chances to get cool pokemons i mean i i think that the the only thing i i think that the the pokemon centers would be more spread out like they they probably won't be as abundant in really rural areas i mean there is a downside to being in the city too and that's if you want to even have a chance at taking over one of the gyms you have to be super high level even in the first week i mean all the like i haven't even attempted to fight any anybody at the gym because they're so they're so much higher level than all of my measly little pokemon that i found out and about that there's no point how many how many pikachus do you i don't have any i think that's a rare one damn i have like i found like 40 of them though I, i have a decent number but I mean, uh, there's people that have been really going at it hard, and they got tons of them already. One of my one of my coworkers has, he's like l- at level 18 already or something, and he's got tons of them. <laughs> at any rate, we're here to talk about movies. This week on the show, we're going to be reviewing Ghostbusters. That's right, we're going to be reviewing a new movie that is hitting the multiplex this weekend. This is rare. It's this a bit is of like a change. A yeah. Uh, we're also going to be uh, reviewing Shin Sono's new movie, The Whispering Star. Uh, that's going back to our typical reviewing a movie that you will never be able to see for like five years. <laughs> uh, this this movie is is screening at this year's Japan Cuts Film Festival, which is a uh, a Japanese film festival here in New York. Uh, we're going to be doing part two of that next week, so you can look forward to that. Lots of uh, Asian films that we're going to be looking at for that. We'll also be talking about some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. I was thinking we could just jump right into Ghostbusters, since that's the that's the oh, one everybody's talking about right now other than Pokemon. I mean, is, do we, is there enough room for more opinions on the Ghostbusters? I, I, we're going to try. We're going to certainly try. So this is directed by Paul Feig. I have a synopsis here. Following a ghost invasion of Manhattan, paranormal enthusiasts Aaron Gilbert and Abby Yates, nuclear engineer Jillian Holtzman and subway worker Patty Trollin band together to stop the otherworldly threat. This film stars Kristen Wiig, uh, Melissa McCarthy, Leslie Jones, um, Kate, uh, who am I missing? Uh, Kate McKinnon, sorry. Drawing a blank. Lots of other uh, notable cameos and uh, small small roles in there, too. The The opening scene with Zach Woods was uh, priceless, in my opinion. <laughs> As Zach Woods is the tour guide. Uh, so, I guess uh, maybe I'll start it off. Let me, let me start this one off, if you don't mind. Yeah, by all means. Uh, I liked Ghostbusters a whole lot. Now... I had no, I had no thoughts about this one going into it. I had no preconceived notions. I read no reviews. I just, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I had no opinions going into it. So I went into it with a relatively open mind. Now I am a big fan of the original Ghostbusters movies, and the whole, the whole female Ghostbusters thing was a complete non-issue for me. I've said it before on the show. I think it's ridiculous anybody that was complaining about that because this is a separate movie it's a essentially a reboot just come off of it who cares who cares they're women and that's all i'm gonna say about it uh that being said i felt like this really captured the the feel of the ghostbusters i mean it it felt like a ghostbusters movie to me from the music cues to the 
the ghost busting action and the comedy was was a little different i mean now it was definitely that paul feig style you know he's the the guy that did bridesmaids so it's it's definitely got a different tone as far as the comedy goes than the original ghostbusters but the jokes are still there i mean it, it's still kind of <clears throat> does this this really fun blend of comedy and horror and i gotta say i was i was laughing a whole lot during this movie uh i thought a lot of the jokes landed some didn't some some of the jokes uh were eye-rollingly terrible mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean yeah. like really bad but yeah uh for me the 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 good far outweighed the bad and i came away from this uh having a lot of fun had a blast with ghost ghostbusters oh well that's good i'm glad you did i didn't like ghostbusters didn't like ghostbusters i'll just jump straight straight to it just jump straight into it um i had again like you i don't really have any preconceived notions going on. i was actually pretty excited because i like all the people you know having Kristen wig melissa mccarthy kate mckinnon and leslie jones busting some ghosts just sounds like a an absolute great time but uh this is a bizarre film to me well it, one of the things is i don't remember the first ghostbusters well you don't have to like the, the, no but i think it, it felt like it was kind of like it felt constrained by the first movie because they had to do like you know the cameos and the callbacks and the little winks and nods and stuff which it seems like anytime it started to get like its own rhythm going it, it had to do like a callback or a cameo and then it, like everything died and then it starts up again and everything dies and there's just some really stu- i mean i see osborne like the, the in- yeah that was one of the I, I, <laughs> well, I i'll just... tell you what I, what I said after the movie was any movie and i probably said this before on the show any movie that has a a scene involving a, a musical like a like a rock group at a concert it instantly dates the movie and I just I can't stand movies that do that. It was just it was awful. And I mean, there was some, but the whole, I the, that whole chunk, that whole sequence, really is just it's so bad. It's just really the only, bad. The only part of that I liked is when the ghost was on Leslie Jones's shoulders and her reaction. I did. I liked the fact that it got Neil Casey when he's walking through the crowd that he's like, "I'm gonna enjoy this metal or whatever he says." And then Leslie Jones being downstairs when she walks into the mannequin room and she says, room full of nightmares. Nope. And then turns around and walks out. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I like those things, but it's just like, like they kept cutting to like the guys, whatever that group was. I don't even know. Something with mayhem. I have no idea who they were. Which I'll get back to that in a little bit but they kept cutting like back to them and then they would cut back to like what the what you know them walking through the halls and stuff and trying to find and you just I, it was just, just so to me the biggest thing outside of just there's some really really terrible jokes in here like you said they're they're so bad um but the editing in this movie is horrendous like it's just it's really bizarre for a final product where they just like cut to random things and then they cut back. And then the, there's even sections where they cut and you know that there was like a bigger scene. It felt, it did feel. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, something got cut yeah, out there. It, felt tr- Holy shit. it definitely felt truncated, but it also felt like they, 
re like maybe reshot some things or added some additional things like some throwaway gags and stuff like that in there it had to do something because there's it doesn't really feel like it's edited it feels like it was like amputated <laughs> like they like they had a finished product and they were just like all right let's go through and just cut some shit out because there's some really bizarre transitions it just it it feels so weird and i think that just that also fucked with the pace a lot uh, I, I didn't mind the the pace too much I, I was okay with it i felt like it was relatively even and i just i didn't like any of the actual like ghost busting i wanted more uh, maybe not more but maybe more variety well to me and i could be wrong but this is this is how it felt to me it felt like there was less ghost busting and there was more fucking hemsworth it, it felt like it seemed like they did a lot of hemsworth stuff yeah which you know he he was all right i guess it was it was like the, the, yeah that joke got the, old, that was though. the yeah Quick. that's the problem is that yeah he was dumb like they established that yeah. right when they meet him but then they just keep and riding just, it yeah <laughs> it's just like, all, just, right. <laughs> all right i get it he's a, he's a hunk but he's dumb but you're keeping him around because he's a hunk and he's the only person that applied or whatever. Yeah, that I I'll agree with that. I mean, I, I thought he was funny. I thought Chris Hemsworth was funny, but it, he, he had some good stuff. Like when they first asked him to answer the phone, he says that it's in the aquarium. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Goodness gracious! And that's that was kind of what did it for me was that I just had a really fun time with this movie. I, I wholly recognize that there are some flaws with it, but I, I still had a lot of fun. I laughed a lot in this. I thought Kate McKinnon, although was, uh, horrendously underused was hilarious. Oh yeah. She, she didn't even have that much dialogue at all, but she was really funny. But she is, she is absolutely hilarious. I just wish this movie, because the more the, the way I think back on it, like I said, there's not that much ghost busting. It seems like it's all kind of heavy on the Hemsworth stuff with that joke. That joke plus the delivery joke with the wontons and stuff. They just kept going back. I think they came back to that I, like see, five or six times. That one worked for me. <laughs> I laughed. I mean, I laughed it, at that the one wonton did kind of. <laughs> It, it kind of worked for me too, but it almost felt like the movie didn't even have enough confidence in these, the, you know, the four characters, the four, because I thought it worked best when it was just them four, like doing yeah. their banter and just joking around and stuff. But it didn't seem like there's a lot of that, to be honest. I think that uh, one one thing that this maybe suffered from was that it, it felt like an origin story. So it, it definitely had a lot of those kind of tropes that you see in superhero movies that have an origin where they're they're te- they're first they're getting to know each other for the first time they're teaming up they're learning the ropes they're coming up they're inventing the gadgets they're learning how this whole ghost busting thing works you know they're finding their their uh, office and the the car and all of that stuff so this is all it's very much an origin story so i'm one so and they they already said that this is going to be uh this is a franchise there's going to be many of these movies so i'm wondering if now that all of that stuff is kind of out of the way in this one that they can focus on the ghost busting and the banter and all of that stuff that you that you feel is lacking in this one well and that's i mean i'm definitely in 
for another one. Don't get me wrong. Even though I didn't like this one, I'm still in it because I want more of them, the four of them. I want it to be heavy right? with them just doing their thing. I don't want this other... I don't want... I don't need Dan Aykroyd popping up, Bill <laughs> yeah. Murray popping up, and fucking Ozzy Osbourne and some mayhem metal band. It sounds like absolute shit doing like half of a song. I don't want that shit. I want the four Ghostbusters. I want them, and I want them doing things. And I, they don't even really have to do much. They can just be working on like new gadgets and mm-hmm. shit. As long as you got Kate McKinnon like lip syncing to some songs, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. She does the stairs thing. Great. Yeah. They just shoot guns in the back alley. Fine with me. Let's just do that for like two hours. I really. I don't need this extended like. Oh shit! It's Slimer. Cool. Slimer doesn't fucking make sense. Okay. Because all the other ghosts are real people. What the fuck is Slimer? The Slimer never made any sense. And why? Why are there ghost balloons? I don't understand how ghost balloons work. I don't know. But I did like the game. We kind of made eye contact. With <laughs> yeah, ghost that was funny. <laughs> Everything Kate McKinnon did was funny. Just absolute hilarity. Yeah. Good lord. Um the the cameos I could have done without them honestly. I mean, it was fun to see these, you know, the original Ghostbusters playing these these little roles and stuff, but they all felt so super like, Bill Murray's was the meatiest one and his he was it was fine, but it just didn't need to be there. It, they all felt like they were tacked on mm-hmm. and it really did kind of pull you out of it, especially because you're like, what, what world is this? What are we living in here? But yeah, it just, I didn't, they just, they felt like interruptions. Honestly. Yeah. They, That's what they felt. Like. Yeah, they did. They did. But the thing is they were so brief <laughs> for the most part that I was like, Oh, whatever. I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. I mean, it was. Th- That's why I'm just. I'm hoping that like this. This is the one that got kind of everything. Like they got all that stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, the stuff that they had to put in there. Yeah. And then the next one, we can just move forward. I did like Annie Potts as the desk clerk. I thought that one was. I didn't. I thought she one. was funny. I, I liked. I liked that that cameo. That was a good one. And that they made, uh, Leslie Jones's uncle Ernie Hudson. But you knew. The entire time. Yeah, yeah. And again, that one kind of just went on forever. It did, unfortunately. <laughs> that was the other thing too. The whatever this, the like end credits, the the scene during that, mm-hmm. that was bad. Well, never ended. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the whole like the, the skyscrapers with the things. Yeah. And the things. I didn't really, I didn't really care about that. I was like, whatever didn't did that didn't bother me too much uh the 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 the, um like shooting like shooting the ghost in the balls joke was bad (laughs) it's a ghost that's not it's a logo it's a ghost it's a logo of a ghost they turned into a shadow ball ghost A ghost ain't got no testicles, and it, I mean it's not even a real ghost. It was a logo. And are we? So he turned. I mean, are we even assuming that that was a man? Like, yeah. What, Could, like, can he feel his like his, his ghost like, testicles? Pain? Yeah, like it's just that was so stupid. But then again, it's one of those things where you know I live in like I don't know what you small town America, whatever shit you want to call it. <laughs> 
my I, it was it was pretty it was pretty crowded screening saw it in the sweetest place on earth in hershey and uh i was the, we were the youngest like everyone else was like 50 60 years old or higher like everyone was old and they they ate that shit up when he got shot in the balls they just erupted in laughter <laughs> when she got slapped in the face and she was like oh that's gonna leave a mark which it never do that let's like, i stop. know what that shouldn't ever be in a movie Come ever on. again but again they ate that shit up when she pulled out her gun and was like say hello to my little friend but she didn't get to finish it you know yeah again that's something that should never be that like never that shouldn't never be done ever like if it shows up in your screenplay you should be fired and ne- never allowed to work ever again but when when she did that they erupted in laughter they just ate that shit up they thought it was the greatest thing ever yeah same with my audience and every time one of the cameos came up everybody was just hooting and hollering i saw it at the imax at amc in times square so there was uh it was uh it was not a bad crowd to be honest there it was an okay crowd but yeah they were definitely eating it up they were loving it and i was i was enjoying it too uh, I, I wish I could remember more of the jokes that made me laugh, but I was laughing quite a bit throughout this one. I essentially laughed, laughed at everything Kate McKinnon did, especially in which, the, and this is the funniest thing in the entire movie to me, was just her walking over to the bathroom to get Melissa McCarthy and just sing song and come get your sandwich. <laughs> like to me, that was the funniest thing in the entire movie. Well, that and the other thing that was pretty good was uh, Andy Garcia flipping out about being called the, like he was the mayor from Jaws. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and Cecily Strong going, she thinks they're all sliding doors. <laughs> that so was funny, yes. That was that was definitely a moment that I was <laughs> laughing a lot. Uh, um, I, yeah, I just, I enjoyed the... Uh, the big uh, action scene towards the end when they were kicking all the ghosts' asses, I thought that looked cool. It was very stylish. It was all done like slow-mo and stuff. And they had all the crazy guns and stuff. And I enjoyed that. I thought that was fun, too. So, yeah. I mean, so I just... I wish there was a little bit more. But hopefully, you know, maybe that's what we're getting with the second one. Yeah, because, you know, they, they set it up where... She was showing Kate McKinnon was showing off the new traps that she was coming up with in the containment unit, which was, you know, the big, uh, the big, a big thing from the other Ghostbusters series. And then they ended up, oh, I guess that's like, I guess I'm getting into spoilers at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I won't, I won't divulge anything else about it, but, uh, yeah, I had a good time with it. I was just, uh, I thought it was, eh. That was a, a man. Blake, uh, so Blake reviewed reviewed this on the site. He gave it a seven out of ten. Uh, we have a comment here from Chunk Basker, and he uh, says, "Is this?" He says, "Folks going to see this movie are giving it one to three stars at most. Strange how some critics try to push it higher. The poor writing slash jokes and tired cliches through it prevent this f- movie from being anything higher." Uh, I, I would disagree with that. I think the comedy is a very subjective thing. And while I do, uh-huh. while I do agree yeah. that some of the jokes certainly didn't land, I thought that at least for me, the, the, the ratio was, it was in favor of me enjoying more of the jokes. They, they have, a, they have something good. They have a good framework here. I just hope they do more with it next time. Around. Yeah. Now I know I said I wasn't going to 
go back to it, but I am going to go back to the whole female Ghostbusters thing. Oh, and I think that it's it's just funny how it's one of those situations where there's nothing that you can do because people that hate the fact that they're they're played by women will deny that. They're like, "Why? That's not why I don't like it. That's not why I don't like it." But then those people will complain that the critics are only giving it a favorable score because they are women. Yeah. And so it's like this strange divide where it's like why can't we just not why can't we just ignore the fact that they're women oh yeah i mean to me it's not a good movie okay to me it's not a good movie but at the same time you know if blake because i think blake gave it like a seven right and you're probably going to give it like a seven and i'm you know i'm not going to like flat out argue with you because i don't think it's that you know it's that terrible that i would have to get like in an argument with you and I can't, you know, I can't possibly comprehend how you could like this movie. Like I can totally see how someone could like this movie and there's stuff that I liked in it too, but it's just overall, I don't think it's that great or even that good. Really. I can totally respect that too. And I can, I can respect what, what chunk is saying here where the, the writing and the jokes didn't, that did, they didn't work for him either. And I, I totally get that. I mean, they just, boy, they worked for me. I thought it was funny. And, uh, I like, I like horror movies and this, this had some, actually, there was some jump scares in this. And at first, the way that they set it up with, uh, with Zach Woods and like the opening sequence, I was like, oh man, this is going to be great because I thought that, that was such a strong opening sequence. Uh, but it wasn't, it, I mean, it didn't quite have that same impact throughout as far as the scares go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they kind of put a lot of thought into that first one, and then the ghosts were kind of like they—they weren't—they just weren't scared. They didn't really care. And I was I, well, and, and also it's just—it was kind of lazy too, because uh, you know it's Slimer and I, I was, Stay Puff, and so, yeah. and it's like yeah, it's kind of cool to see those guys again, but at the same let's like let's make our own movie yeah. here. Let's make something else. Like I'm, I'm, I hopefully we got all that out of our system, and we can just make a new ghostbusters like movie. i'm okay with slimer that's fine but what they did with slimer i'm not gonna say what it was but what they did with him was not like that did not work for me at all i was like ugh. like just show slimer eating and then doing something and then that's it you know yeah just like they, they lingered on slimer too, too long in this uh we didn't talk about the uh the villain of this movie too much neil casey uh, what did you, what did you think of him? I eh, and it's just I liked him. I thought he was funny. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good, but it just seemed he just again. There just seems like there's large chunks of this movie missing. You thought that uh, maybe they there was more with with him developing his. It felt like there had to be because they keep like coming back to him, and then yeah, there could be, there could be. Well, and then there's the there's so many weird like um. Towards the end or whatever, where Hemsworth is like laying on the ground, and it just cuts to him, and he's like ice cream, and then it just cuts back to like them standing there, and it's like there had to be more to that, right? Like, why did we just <laughs> cut to Hemsworth saying ice cream? Like, I don't know what. Why did we leave that in? Yeah. If we cut out something else that was it, let's just cut out the entirety of it. Yeah. Like, I don't need Hemsworth going ice cream. Well, that was just so bizarre. And then, like, how he was, he would position the people because it felt like, okay, there's something else there. 
but they never showed it until the end credits. Yeah. And it's just like, so that was just set up for the end credits? Like, I, I don't get that. It was kind of bizarre. It's just really weird editing to this movie. Yeah, it was it was a little odd. Which I I I gotta imagine a lot of it is studio. Like a lot of this is the fault of the studio. And I'm sure that this is one of those movies where Paul Feig would have them do many takes of the same thing and just have them ad lib, you know, punchlines and stuff yeah, like that. Which... I mean, because that that's one thing that he does. And it works occasionally, but some of the times it doesn't work. It's like, oof. Yeah. Because that, 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 that's like one of the main things that fucks with the pace, too. Right. It's just like, holy shit, you guys are lingering. And you're just like trying jokes and they're not working. It's just like, let's give it up. Let's pack it up. And that, let's move on. And, and maybe that's maybe that's a problem. Maybe that's going to hurt the longevity of this movie. Like, this will never be... It will never have the lasting power that the original two Ghostbusters movies did. And maybe that's just because the comedy style of this movie is very contemporary. Like it's, this is kind of the trending comedy style that's happening right now. Well, yeah. And, but it's also bizarre that it, cause it's kind of like, you know, cause it's, it's kind of both. It's that contemporary where it's, it, you know, every, every scene feels like an improv, just like, let's banter, see if we come up with some funny stuff, some funny bits. And then you have that forced humor too, where it's like, oh, we're going to do that where she gets slapped in the face. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's going to leave a mark. It's like, <laughs> holy shit, we've been using that for like 25 years. Cool. Uh, Bruises are funny, I guess. I don't, like, I don't even understand, the, like, how that, how is that a joke? How does that work as a joke? Like, it's going to leave a bruise. Yep. Probably. Like, how's that funny? I don't understand how that's funny. Uh, I, I never understood that joke. The, that's that's going to leave a mark joke. I never I never got that. Yeah, like, yeah, it probably will. It probably ruptured a vessel, like, <laughs> underneath the skin, and it probably will leave a mark. It's called science. Like, yes. You're scientists. I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah. We keep using it. Yeah. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on Ghostbusters? It, it, it's weird because it failed for me, but at the same time, I'm looking forward to another Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's weird, but I thought it was a. I just uh, I thought it was a fun, more fun ride. I I didn't feel very nostalgic during this, and maybe that's one thing that 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 diehard fans of Ghostbusters will have a problem with is that it does, it, even though there's the cameos and there's the callbacks and stuff, it still doesn't feel very nostalgic to me. Although it does, it does feel very much like a Ghostbusters movie. It, there's something, yeah. there's something about the tone and the, and the comedy that, uh, that's, that's kind of its own thing. So I didn't feel that kind of nostalgia watching it, but you know, I, I, that's okay because to me this is something completely different. Now, if they were making Ghostbusters three and they had the original cast in there, th- then it would be different. Then I would be looking for that nostalgia. I'd be wanting that. Yeah. But at any rate, that's Ghostbusters. I'm gonna give this one a. I'm sitting between a six and a half and a seven on this one, so I'd somewhere like yeah. a six point seven five for me. Okay, I could go like a four and a half. There we go. Four and a half. Woo. I just, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's the thing. He fucking hated it. Yeah, 
no, like it's not a good movie. I I I was slight I was somewhat entertained, but it's not a good movie. I'm sorry. It's just not good. <laughs> I mean, like it's not and it's one of, like again, it's just like the editing, it's just like that's not a final product. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I feel like that. You know, I, I came down hard on like the burden of my company. Remember when we did that one? I was like, it's not really perfect. like his editing was better than this movie. So he like, he did a better job editing his movie than fucking. Well, I don't know about movie. that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see any kind of like weird audio sync issues and strange like leftover just, frames. I mean, I just mean, you know, it didn't just cut to like some guy that's like ice cream and then cut back to like the main action. It's like, okay, something about ice cream. Like maybe we'll get more of that in the second one. I don't know. Oh my. All right. That's Ghostbusters in theaters right now. Let's move on and talk about The Whispering Star. Now, if you haven't heard of this, this is from uh, director Shien Sono. He is a, a very, very big japanese filmmaker and his latest is well i don't know if this is his latest he makes so many movies that all that come out over here in the states at all different times like they come out in different orders and stuff this was one of the five that he made in 2015 and this is one of the two that are playing at yes japan Cups. yeah so we'll be covering uh his other one Lo- love and peace is that the name of it we'll we'll be covering that one next week So, uh, I have a synopsis for this one. A feminine android delivers packages to the scattered humans in the galaxy. With years to spare, the android and us have time to contemplate what it is to be human. Uh, Now, Kevin. Yeah. What did you think of the Whispering Star? The Whispering Star. Um, it's quite long. (laughs) Let's let's put that out there. It actually feels much longer than what it actually is. This was a, uh... This was a. I had to take a break. This is a. This this is this is slow. This is a slow movie. Um, it's intense. So yeah, it's it, intentionally slow though. Yeah, it's a, let's say about an hour and forty minutes. It feels much longer than that. It but it feels was, like it takes an eternity to get through this movie. Yeah, and I think the biggest issue is it takes. Not only is it slow, but there's not. There's really nothing for like the first hour. Yeah, I think after like an hour in, it was like, okay, we're we're actually getting. Not only are we getting somewhere where like things are happening, but we're actually getting somewhere where like the visuals actually get interesting. Um, and then the main thing is like, there's actual like some contemplation, like some like actual dialogue that discusses you know the contemplating what it means to be human. Like up until that point, there's there's just nothing. Yeah, it's just the robot keeps saying the same thing over and over again. She mentions some things, but most of the time it's just like her cleaning. <laughs> so doing not it's like so you got the, the the Gene Dealman reference. I I mean yes, but it wasn't even at least the Gene Dealman. Yes, it's monotonous and it's but but there's a point to it, and there's also it was at least visually interesting. This is like nothing to it. It's not visually interesting. It's, it doesn't really seem to have too much of a point. It's just, it's like nothing for like an hour until we finally start doing something. Well, I, I, uh, I think I, I definitely disagree with you on the visuals. I thought it was um, very, very visually arresting. Well, this, this is what I'll say. 
because maybe I wasn't 100% clear. You meant just the beginning part. Yeah, where she's, up to like that hour. Up in, Once you get past that okay. hour, it's like, holy shit, okay, it does get, it gets very, I mean, the visuals are fantastic. Cinematography comes to play. You know, we start visiting the different, you know, the way he sets up shots and everything. Everything gets, it just, it kind of explodes on you. But it's just that lead up to that. It's just, it's really rough to sit through that first hour. It's a slog, but I think that it's, it, you're supposed to feel that. You're supposed to feel the monotony of her, of her life, you know, just, cl- she's in this, what is basically a little, it's like an RV. It's like a, it's like a, or a, a trailer, it's like a double wide. It's like a flying double wide spaceship. And she just does the same thing over and over and over again. She cleans she makes some tea. She talks to the robot who's crazy. <laughs> or not the robot, but the spaceship itself. The computer. Yeah, I mean, he's not 100% crazy. He's just, he's, he's looking in the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, and then it's just that over and over again. And then finally she does land on a planet and starts delivering these packages. And I will, yeah, I will agree that that's when it opens up. That's, that's when, the whole, when the whole film opens up. And uh, I got to say, like, at first I was I was interested in it, but yes, I was feeling the the kind of I was getting uneasy, like the or impatient, I guess, because it was so unbelievably slow and monotonous and just the tedium of that opening. Yeah, You're just like, is it, is it ever going to is it ever is anything ever going to happen in this? But <laughs> When it does, to me, it made all of that tedium kind of worth it because I thought it was just... I was kind of blown away with the visuals. I thought it looked fantastic. Shot on black and white. And he shoots... He shot the... All of the exteriors are done in... uh, He actually did it in um, uh, Fukushima, which is still kind of a nuclear wasteland in real life. So you, you had that kind of setting of almost a post-apocalyptic world where it's just barren and there's nothing there but there's like remnants there's like remnants of humanity there and uh, i gotta say i pretty much uh i i loved this movie i would never be able to watch it again but i i was pretty enamored with with it the whole the whole way through wow yeah i thought it was pretty fantastic the uh the can the can on the shoe (laughs) And that's one thing about, like, although the beginning is, is visually, like, because at first I was like, oh, man, this movie looks great. But then it's the same thing for an hour. So you, so that kind of wears off. But the sound in this movie is so precise and crisp that it, the sound alone had me kind of, it, it drew my attention constantly. So anytime I would be getting, like, a little bored or starting to have it start to lose me there'd be something that would happen that would kind of draw my attention back and usually that was some kind of very precise sound that occurred hmm. and I, I thought i thought that was uh a, like a really really strong aspect of it uh the uh i like the, <clears throat> the there's one scene in particular this is just a little i don't know just a a I think it happens one time and it's a shot where she's messing around with a recorder. She so she's basically recording, she's doing like an audio log through her trip 
because it takes like 10 years. She's, she's on this thing for like 14 years to deliver these packages. It's crazy. And she t- does these audio logs. And there's one shot where it sh- the camera is underneath of the audio recorder. And they like mm-hmm. they set yeah. it up so that it was like clear. And I thought that that was a really uh, creative way to show that. Plus the fact that she's powered by AA batteries. That, that's it. Like when that first occurred. Because up until that point, I didn't know she was an Android. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, she's just popping all these batteries out. I'm just like, wow. Okay. I mean, that should, that's something different. Uh, the, the, the two other scenes that I absolutely loved in this movie was the scene with the, the lady that had the cigarette stand on the beach. Uh, and just how it just followed her as she went and mm-hmm. got her her stamp or whatever. Uh, and then the, the, the final one was the final package she delivered in that hallway with all of the people. Oh yeah. I mean, that was, that was like that, that that whole scene is really what drove this, this entire film home for me. I was like, Holy crap. Like this is beautiful. This is, and if it is, it is almost worth it just for that. ending. yeah, I mean, it is just amazing. Uh, if you see that documentary, these she and Sono, uh, they they follow him when he's shooting that scene, so you can kind of oh, yeah. see how he did it. Yeah, yeah, because it almost it looks like um, it almost because everything's wet, so it almost looks like the, like cut out animation. Yeah, it looks um, like it's animated, but it's actually those like the objects and stuff and the people. That's all real. Like he had actors behind the, yeah. the shoots, and it looks like well, oh, what's her name? Rada Reniger. Looks like her films, her cutout animation stuff that she did. Yeah, that's shit. It's yeah. I mean, that is that was something because that's like completely different than anything that you see in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it just completely shifts yeah. visually. Yeah, because that scene is very. It's very minimal. It's very clean. It's very very clinical. Whereas <laughs> almost everything else is very gritty and kind of dirty and everybody's disheveled and like the world is falling apart and then you see that and it's like it's it, it is completely different as far as like visual style but it just takes forever to get there <laughs> and it just and i also gotta say that i mean not only like thank god yes after that first hour it does kind of open up visually and it gets far more interesting um but at the same time i never really felt anything contemplation wise that he's, you know, kind of thrown out there is like, what's it mean to be human and everything? Like everything felt, you know, the, the the little things that he does touch on seem very surface level, very basic. I don't, you know, and I don't know if I'm missing something here or I just it didn't connect with me in some way. Oh, maybe. Which is I mean, very, very, very much possible. It's just kind of got lost in translation with me, but it just I felt it felt kind of hollow to me. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I can appreciate it for just on like the visuals, you know, the the cinematography and the, you know, the basic, the narrative of it. But it just, I didn't really feel that contemplation there. I didn't really think there was anything really to like ruminate. It it didn't really spark any, you know, it didn't provoke any thoughts within me. And at least for for me, I didn't, I didn't get the impression that he was trying to say anything incredibly deep. I think what he's trying to say is that, you know, being being human is it's all about the the little things, you know, it's the small things that that give us our humanity. And that's why like when you 
when she she decides that she's going to check out some of these boxes. She's going to open up some of these boxes, and the stuff in them is, like, just random shit. It's like yeah. a cigarette butt or, you know, some paintbrushes. It just feels like he takes, like, what some people say now. Because it's all, you know, like you said, it's the, it's the small thing. It's that personal touch. That's why they use this service. And essentially, it's kind of the... What people say now, like where it's like, oh, I, it's the the personal touch of receiving a letter in the mail, you know, getting correspondence from someone, a handwritten note, that type of thing. It's essentially that, but then blown up into like, well, it takes fifteen years for it to get there. Like, are you really that connected to the personal touch? And then you know, it's just a pencil, a sign. It's just like uh, I don't like. I kind of see what you're saying, but at the same time. Like, it seems pretty thin to base a whole movie on that. And then an hour and 40 minutes worth, too? Apparently, he he wrote this this story, like, decades ago. And it's been... It was, like, one of the first movies that he thought of. And he's been kind of... It's been brewing, and he's never been able to have the money. He's been never been able to raise the money to make it. And then, finally, mm. he was able to do it. And all this stuff with uh, Fukushima was he added all that stuff in, but yeah, everything else was from a script that he wrote when he was in his twenties. Hmm. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. But, uh, one thing that I didn't like was the whispering. Uh, so all the dialogue in this is done through whispering and I, I get it, but it, I just thought it was annoying. Like I, I got annoyed by it. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was, at first, I was like, oh, that's a novel idea. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. But, I, I, I mean, I, I felt indifferent towards it, you know, definitely by the end. It's just like, okay, really really all in with this whispering. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, like, not put that in the title of that. Like, it seems like you're really gung-ho about the whispering. Oh, he was. <laughs> gung-ho. Hmm. Uh, so it sounds like you, you were, uh, this one fell a little bit flat for you. It did. It fell a little bit flat. Yeah, it's unfortunate. A little bit. That's unfortunate. But it is. I mean, I gotta say that I'm. I, I'm pretty much leaning towards it's worth it just for that end scene, that whole sequence at the end there. Yeah, because it's that's fantastic. It's, it's worth it for that. Like I said, that's that that scene is what really drove this this home for me. If it just ended or it didn't, you know, it didn't have any kind of big culminating scene or anything like that, which I suspected that it was gonna just kind of fizzle out it prob i probably wouldn't have come away from it liking it as much as i did but that that scene's really what drove it home and i i was i thought that there was gonna be more color in it because there is one scene that is shot yeah. in a very vibrant color but that's they never come back that's to it, it. <laughs> that's it and that that to me i was like oh well i, I thought for sure they that there was gonna be more but no they never come back which I was kind of okay with because I thought the black and white was a great aesthetic for this movie. It does look good. It wasn't. It wasn't just like a tacked on thing like so many other black and white films. It tend to feel like where well, it's like, what's the point? Why? Why is this black and white? To me, this this felt purposeful. Was... Yeah, but I also love when people are like, "What? Why is it black and white?" It's like, who cares? <laughs> like it's black and white. Like just fucking deal with it. Yeah. Why? Who gives a shit? 
Why does it have to be in why color? It, yeah, like, I was going to say, why does it have to be in color? I mean... It sounds like it doesn't have to be an accurate, accurate representation of reality. Like, it's a movie. You can be, It can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. Exactly. I think it's interesting to compare this to Tokyo Tribe, which is... It's, it's, it's really, like polar opposite. Well, the funny thing is the other one, which we're probably going to talk about next week, Love and Peace... That's like a that's like a family film musical. So just like it's just all over the fucking map. Yeah, he's he just it's I think it's impossible to to pin this guy down as far as style. Like he's just yeah, he just does everything, and it's yeah. That's what makes him such a great director. I I do see like Mieke. I think there's definite uh there's definitely a, a comparison to be made with those two directors. Although to me, Miyake has fallen off a little bit over the years. Yeah, and I feel like the quality of Sono's films has been higher, like cumulatively. Oh, yeah. But I guess I guess we'll find out more when we uh, talk about Love and Peace next week. Oh boy! So the Whispering Star, uh, Kevin, what are you going to give uh, this one out of ten? Ooh, I'm going to give it um, six, six and a half. All right, I'm going to give this one a an eight. Ooh. Yeah, I like how I can't like settle on a number anymore. I always give two. I don't know why that is. Eh, sometimes it's hard. The, the the whole number thing, like because anytime I give a number, I instantly regret it after it leaves my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I regret everything we always say. Yeah. Here. Right. Yep. That's like that's every Sunday. There's a chunk of time where it's just I'm making regrets. <laughs> Hmm. Well, there you have it. That's uh, the Whispering Star. Keep an eye out for it. It's playing right now. Japan cuts, so you can, if you're in New York or attending the festival, you can check it out there. Uh, If if not, just uh, just keep an eye out. I'm sure it'll end up on VOD at some point. I don't know if it has distribution yet, but I imagine like WellGo USA or one of those distributors oh, yeah. they'll, they'll, I think that, I don't think he ever has problems yeah I think that Sono his stuff is highly regarded enough that he shouldn't have a problem finding distribution in the states yeah. so, uh, I want to talk about before we get into what we've been watching there's there's a there's a TV show that uh, I've been watching and Kevin I think you've been watching too and that's mm-hmm. that's Stranger Things on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Now it's rare that we talk about TV shows. I mean, usually I'll just throw a shout out to one that that I would recommend. But with this one, it has a very filmic uh, vibe to it. Like it, this feels like a movie to me, even though it's a TV mm-hmm. show. I think that this could qualify as a movie. It's just an eight-hour-long movie. Uh, so my first question is, how far are you into this series? Um, that's why I was just trying to figure out how many episodes are there. <laughs> There's eight total. Oh man, I think I'm. Mm, I think I'm six deep. I think I'm six deep. I think that that's where I'm at as well. So Pretty neither of us, sure. neither of us, have finished the series as of yet. So just keep that in mind. Uh, this... I feel bad. Because I already feel like I'm too deep. Like I, you know, I, like I burned through them a bit too quick. Mm, mm-hmm. I wish I 
Because it's going to be, because I like it so much. That's what makes it really difficult. Is that, like, having to wait for the second season. You got to wait suck. a year. That's the that's the worst part. It's like, you, you, that, that's, you know, that's the, 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 the Netflix model is a bit of a double-edged sword. Like, you get it all at once, so you can just burn through it in a couple days, but then you have to wait. Because normally, so normally these shows would be coming out once a week, so it would last you at least eight weeks in the case yeah. of this show. But a lot of the other Netflix shows are 12 or even more episodes. So it's like, yeah, it, it definitely sucks in that regard, but I can't stop watching it because it's so good. It is. It's really good. And I mean, it is. It's kind of derivative of a lot of things. And but it's I don't no, care. but it's so it's it's, it's it's fun. It's intentionally derivative. I mean, I don't think that they're making any like some of the stuff is so on the nose that there's just no way that they're not making direct references to these things. Like the posters, yeah. like the thing reference. I mean, even in that reference, they they even mention it. Like they talk about that movie and stuff. And yeah. there's like a Stephen King reference and. It's absolutely derivative, but in in the best way possible, I think. I think um, just just to step back a little bit, if you're not familiar with this series, it's uh, it's about uh, a group of kids who one of one of their friends goes missing, and there's this kind of search. There's this mysterious government facility, like on the edge of the town in the woods, and then all of a sudden, this this uh, strange girl appears. And she kind of befriends uh, the the boys and helps them. She has powers. It turns out she has telekinesis and telepathy. And she sort of helps them try to find their missing friend. And if you're familiar with any Amblin films, this is the most mm-hmm. uh, Amblin movie that is not Amblin I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it takes place in the 80s. 1983, actually. It, it's actually like four days. It's, it's four days. Four before, days. Yeah, four days before, before you were born. Ten days before I was born, and they just they nailed it. They just nailed the. They nailed every single aspect. Now, there's been several movies that have come out that have tried to kind of capture that Amblin vibe. I think the the one that sticks out is Super Eight. That one got pretty close, but I don't think it really did it but did it as I well think, as this and i think what the thing that really helps with this show is that the the kids you know the group the three mike wheeler and um dustin and lucas these kids are awesome yeah they're and especially the kid that plays dustin yeah holy shit i mean i could he's fantastic I could just watch kids are so great the, the the kids are great you just want to spend more time with these kids uh they're they're so likable and th- that was like a lot of these characters are likable that's the thing like the, you don't have any kind of other than the people you're not you're supposed to not like uh everybody like for instance uh, the, the 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 chief chief hopper this guy when you first when he's first introduced, you think to yourself, oh, God, this guy's going to be, he's going to be a schlub. He's going to be the classic inept, you know, yeah. sheriff in the sleepy little town that is in way over his head. But it, he, it is not like that at all. He's, it's, it's so funny because that completely subverts your expectations 
Whereas I think a lot of the other aspects of this completely feed into your expectations. Mm-hmm. Like, like I could totally see where it was going. Like, you know, uh, the, the main kid has an older sister and right off the bat, I was like, well, she's going to join up with them at some point, And then she's going to, she's like dating the dickhead kid now, but she's going to fall for the other, yeah, you know, yeah. kid, the bro, the older brother. And it's like, of course it plays into all of those things. But to me, that's not, it's, worse, it, it's not lazy or, or cliche. It, it feels right. Like it feels like this is what's supposed to happen. But like, just going back to, to, um, chief hopper he's he's great like he he knows like he puts the pieces together so quickly you're just like damn this guy's good like he's good at his job and i always like it when cops are good at their job (laughs) in in these in movies i guess in real life too but um winona Ryder plays the the mom of the missing boy and she does a great job i i can't imagine the emotional uh, toll that this this show had on her because she just has to be hysterical nonstop almost. Yeah, <laughs> she's just a ball of emotion through this whole this whole series. Yeah, it is kind of uh, it's 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 she's it's just oh my goodness, it's, it it can be a bit much oh, at yeah. times. Oh yeah, it's just like I need a break. Can we cut someone else? Oh yeah, and that's can we get back to the kids? I, I guess that that's one of the one of the benefits of being a TV show is that it affords them the ability to have multiple plot lines happening co- concurrently, and it allows them to spend time with w- and develop these these uh, these threads. So as soon as Winona Ryder starts to overstay her welcome, and I don't mean like the actress, I mean just the character and how she's a little yeah. bit she's overwhelming. They they cut to. You know the boys and working with uh, L and and them trying to to figure out where their missing friend is and they just they nail everything from the title cards to the music all like there's pop culture references in here but they don't hammer you over the head with them they're they're subtle enough that they feel right like they feel like yeah that makes sense there would be you know this kid's into like the clash and stuff and he's a little bit of an outsider so it feels right that he'd have an evil dead poster on his wall yeah and it's just uh it's fantastic like i just i can't wait to to finish it i'll probably finish it tonight actually i i would also just like to point out that the kid that plays mike wheeler his name is finn wolfhard (laughs) which that might be the greatest name i've ever heard in my life it's a great it is a great name his last name is Wolfhard. Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard. Good lord, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh lots of lots of references in this. I mean, everything from E.T. to Poltergeist to The Thing. It's uh as a fan of those types of movies. Whereas, you know, Ghostbusters didn't make me feel nostalgic. This show makes me feel extremely nostalgic. <laughs> yes. It's just, it's great. And I can't speak highly enough of the uh, the Duffer brothers who created it. It's fantastic. Which, I pretty much just want to stop recording and go watch this. Yeah. They've only done, uh, they've only done really one other thing. And that's a, a horror movie called Hidden. Yeah. That came out last year. Which I did not see, 
But now I'm like, did I see it? No, I didn't see it. But now I'm like, kind of, I want, I want to check this one out. Yeah. So, yeah, if you have a Netflix subscription, absolutely check out Stranger Things because it is, it is, uh, really, really, really good. And they're they're already talking about the second season, so it's it's going to be coming back. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some other stuff we've been watching. I think I'll start it this week. I saw <laughs> Human Nature from 2001. Oh, yeah? Yeah. This is directed by Michelle Gondry, written by Charlie Kaufman, and produced and produced by Spike Jones. Holy shit. That's the trifecta right there, friends. Watch out. Uh, have you seen this? No, I have not. Yeah, this was, I think, maybe one of the only Michelle Gondry movies I haven't seen. P- pretty sure I saw almost all of his movies. And, uh... Yeah, this one was a it was a weird one. This was a weird little movie. It's a strange one. Really? Yeah. So it's it stars Patricia Arquette and Tim Robbins and um, Reese Fonz. How do you say his last name? I have no idea. Hmm. Uh, so it stars the three of them. Patricia Arquette plays this uh, naturalist where she she has this affliction where she hair grows all over her body. Yeah. Uh. She's so, so like an ape and she mm-hmm. is so distraught over this that she decides that she wants to kill herself. But then a mouse shows up and kind of makes her realize that she wants to be alive. So she goes out and lives in the, in the forest and then she <laughs> writes a book about it and becomes a celebrated author. So she becomes involved with Tim Robbins, who's a scientist and he is working on uh, an experiment that teaches mice table manners and so the two of them kind of fall for each other and they are out on a hike one day and they uh happen upon reese fonz who is was raised by a man who thought he was an ape so he thinks that he's an ape too so they they capture him and they take him back to the lab and they kind of teach him how to be human Mm-hmm. So they teach him how to talk and, and they teach him etiquette and all of this stuff. And it, he, he can't contain his, his primal urges. So he's like always trying to hump everything. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of ridiculous. This movie's kind of ridiculous. It sounds a bit ridiculous. Yeah. It, it had its moments to be sure, but, uh, overall it just, I don't know. It just felt, uh, it felt kind of lame. <laughs> like the whole movie just felt kind of lame. Uh, it was an interesting exploration into human nature and what makes us human and all of this and what, what makes us, what separates us from, uh, from primates. But I don't know if it necessarily worked. Not, not all of the comedy landed. Uh, some of it felt a little juvenile, but some of it was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, I didn't really like Tim Robbins in this. I don't know if you were supposed to necessarily like him because he was kind of just a, not a, he wasn't a very likable character to begin with. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was an interesting little movie. There was some really, uh, you know, being a Michelle Gondry film, there are some kind of quirky visual moments in there. There's some interesting, uh, like, montages and stuff where he, he liked, to, he played around with, with some set design and stuff that was, that was kind of clever. So I would maybe a light recommend just don't go into it expecting greatness, you know, with, 
Michelle Gondry, Spike Jones, and Charlie Kaufman attached, you'd think like, man, this this movie's gonna be amazing, but it's not. Yeah, it's it's mildly enjoyable. Yeah, it's all early stages of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But mm. you can see you can see the promise there. Like you can it's it's interesting to see their early stuff because it, it where where whereas it may not be as good as their later stuff, you can see their their style there. Like you can see their ideas and their creativity kind of flowing through this one. Yeah. So that's human nature. Can't say I'm gonna be running out. No, there. I probably wouldn't. <laughs> probably wouldn't recommend it. Probably wouldn't recommend it for you. Peter, Check that off my list. Uh, Peter Dinklage is in it too, uh, and he looks really young in it. Yeah, yeah. Is he here that Hillary Duff is? Yeah, she is. She plays. She's only in it for one scene, and it's a flashback of when Patricia Arquette was was telling the story about how she uh, when she first discovered that she had this this hair affliction and mm-hmm. hillary duff plays the young patricia arquette <laughs> uh, that's kind of funny i will say also if you're into patricia arquette she is naked throughout a whole lot of this movie it makes so, sense yeah uh i watched i really only watched two films this week because the first one that i watched took quite a while they were all kind of long because whispering star was pretty long Ghostbusters was long as fuck. <laughs> but uh, I watched uh, 0.5 millimeters. This is on Mubi.com. Mubi actually has, this is kind of tie-in, they had three films that were, they played Japan Cuts Oh yeah, I got an before. email about that. Yeah, so this is like one of the exclusives from, I guess it played like last year or the year before or something. <clears throat> and it's one of those things that I kind of looked into. It seemed like everyone loved this movie. So I decided to give it a shot. Right before I hit play, I noticed that it said 196 yeah, minutes. This is a long and I was like, And I was like, oh, shit. But I already hit play, and I was like 10 seconds into it. And I was like, well, I'm 10 seconds into it. I might as well see it out. Because um, I figured, you know, I already invested some time. So I'm like, I'm going to do 196 minutes. I'll just... You know, take breaks and I'll just try and watch it. You know, different. It took me like a couple of days. All right. Uh, but one of the things that works with this is it's kind of, they're like kind of like little episodes. So it kind of has like each story has like a beginning and then it kind of ends and then another one starts. So you, you kind of know where to stop. Oh, okay. So it kind of works in that, in that way. And it's, and um, this movie is, it's astonishing. I just, it, what it does is just it kind of caught me off guard because at first it's just full on just like silly comedy and essentially what it is is the this woman sawa is like a she's like a home care person she takes care of the elderly in the home and um she's working with this one family and she's taking care of this guy and they you know can you work outside of the hours i'll pay you a shit ton of money we just want you to sleep with them not in like a sexual way just sleep beside him through the night. That's it. Because he's about to die and it's something that he keeps saying that he wants. So she's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, well, of course, she he just starts licking her face like in the middle of the night. And then it's just comedy of errors. You know, persons commit suicide and then the house burns down. And then, you know, silly comedy, Japanese style. So what where it goes from there is her just trying to go around and find opportunities 
the kind of she essentially starts out like it's like a scam slash like fucking with these old men because she like catches them doing embarrassing things or breaking the law in some like small way and then she's like I, i'm gonna tell the police or tell the community and your reputation's gonna be ruined and if you don't want me to do that give me a place to stay and give me food so she essentially just goes around like setting up living situations really by you know scamming these men conning them um and it starts out that way like each episode starts out that way where like one guy's like trying to steal porn and she catches him and then just harasses him until he's like fine you can stay with me but even when then it like kind of transitions that when she's in that situation at home with the people like she takes over and just starts caring for them like cooking and like changes their lives and like you know actually sits and has discussions with them and and it's just it's there's this like really silly screwball goofball comedy to it but then at the same time it gets really really dramatic at and it just like the way it's able to to kind of to glide between the two it's just really impressive and it does it for 196 minutes mm. and i got to say for that 3 plus hours i didn't i didn't really feel the length interesting i enjoyed myself the whole way through it and the the lead performance, who's actually the sister of the director, uh, Secura Endo, she I mean she's fantastic in this movie. Like I can't recommend this movie enough. It is it's great. Wow. Okay. Might have to check that out. Point five millimeter. I thought that was in reference to uh, mechanical pencils. Well, I mean it is the best size if you're you know let. Well, no, it's not. Sorry. Point, it's not I, the best I, size. I was always a point seven man myself, i'm sorry but no because not yeah i forgot i'm a i'm a i'm a zero zero five guy oh zero zero five so you're the i gotta i gotta go zero zero five i gotta get as small as humanly possible <laughs> yeah well yep that's definitely your style <laughs> I was, but I, holy shit this movie is uh, this movie is so good hmm. i'll definitely have to check that out that's 0. 0.5 millimeters available now on Mubi. Got 28 days left to watch that sucker. Now, yeah. I don't understand how that works. So you have to have a, a movie subscription to watch it, or what? Yeah. Okay. So if you have a movie subscription, you can watch it. Interesting. I saw Midnight Cowboy. This was the only other one. I only watched two other ones this week as well. Midnight Cowboy from 1969, directed by John Schlesinger. Nice. The classic. This is uh, one of my... Uh, classic Americana <laughs> films that I just was, it was on my list of shame forever. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch some Midnight Cowboy. I'm in the mood for a sleazy New York film. And I heard, <laughs> I heard that this was one and it kind of was, it wasn't that sleazy. Like it wasn't Abel Ferrara sleazy. Mm, so you should have just went with Abel Ferrara. You should have just watched, uh, whatchamacallit. What was that one I watched last? I already forget the name Fear of Fear City. Yeah. No, I didn't. I wanted to watch something good. Oh, so I didn't sell that movie. No, you didn't sell that one. <laughs> the the Behringer effect did not did not really work on me. <clears throat> so this is with uh, Dustin Hoffman, John Voight. Uh, oh, this is is this the old classic? I'm walking. Here? Yep, yep. That's that's, that's okay. the uh, the I'm walking here, which was uh, famous. That was ad libbed, famously ad libbed line that became uh, kind of a cultural thing. But uh, so basically, John Voight plays a hustler from Texas, and he decides to move to the big city and hustle some women. 
But man, New York is not the place for a small time hustler like him because he comes in and like the first day he basically loses all his money and he gets hustled like five times. Damn. And he ends up homeless out on the street, no money, no prospects. And Dustin Hoffman takes him in and Dustin Hoffman previously hustled him out of 40 bucks and he decides to, to bring him in and try to groom him in order to, to benefit himself. He wants to move to Florida. That's like his dream is to move to Florida. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's a cripple. He has a limp. And I'm not saying that to be uh, politically incorrect. It's just that's what they say in the movie. And um, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great film. I mean, it's a, I think that it's truly an American classic. It's, uh, I think it's like number 35 or 45 on AFI, the AFI Top 100. Um, it won a whole shitload of Oscars. It was the first X-rated movie to be nominated for Best Picture at the Ooh. Oscars. And it was one of only three movies that are X-rated to be nominated for any Oscars. The other two being, uh, can you guess? Can you guess one or two? No. No? No, no guesses? Um, wait. X, no. X-rated movie nominated for an Oscar? Um, no. I think classic because the X-rating kind of went away. Well, it was uh, Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange, yep. Mm-hmm. And Last Tango in Paris. Yeah, Last Tango in Paris. That, mm-hmm. Those were the other two. This no. movie, uh, so it was X-rated, but it was uh, later, I think in 1972, was given the R rating. So only a few years later, it was given the R rating. Because it got re-released in 72, and... They by that point the MPAA redid their their kind of rules for for R-rated movies and this then qualified. It's really not mm. bad. I was kind of amazed that it got an X rating and it was it got an X rating because of homosexual content in it, mm. which yeah. you know, <laughs> and by today's standards and what we've seen in movies and what is what is okay you know and out in the open now, uh, this was like not. Basically, Bob Balaban gave John Voight a blowjob in this. <laughs> and that, that's what that, that's like, really oh. what did it. I mean, there were some other there were some other things, but that was, I think, the big scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at any rate, great movie. Like the the cinematography in this movie is pretty out of control. I mean, it, it is. They mess around with aspect ratio. They they do all kinds of different camera tricks and stuff that just, it felt really, it felt really contemporary to me. And one of the other things that felt really contemporary was the dialogue. Like the, and this is, I don't know if it's considered a comedy, but it's really funny. And the style of humor was very modern. Uh, a lot of like kind of just dialogue based, like reactions. Like I felt like I was watching a Paul Feig movie for God's sake. Except <laughs> it was good. Yeah, yeah not not really, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was fantastic. Dust, Dustin Hoffman kills it as uh, Rico Rizzo or Ratso Ratso Rizzo. Well, that's the thing. It seemed like they were really good back then of making it feel like it was just improvised banter. Mm-hmm. But it was just because we're watching um, the in laws, the Criterion that I did. It's kind of the same way. It's like it has a really, really, they stuck to the script, but like it, the comedy in it is, it feels contemporary because it's just kind of like banter and like while stuff is happening, but they're just having like random conversations about things. Right. But it's all very tightly scripted. 
yeah yeah but it feels improvised it just feels natural yeah yeah and i think that that probably just goes to the fact that dustin hoffman is amazing and he just he was just incredible in this and john voight was great too i mean john voight was just a funny he was a funny character in this and uh you know it's got like it's, they they live in a um they live in a in a not a a condemned building they live in a condemned building and there's no heat or electricity or anything and it's just it's kind of a dirty movie but man it's it's great if you if you haven't seen midnight cowboy highly recommend it i think is i don't know if this is on criterion or not uh, i don't no i don't think it is i bet but i didn't realize that this is the guy that directed billy liar mm-hmm. which is a great comedy i didn't know that was the same guy yep he did Marathon Man, too, another great Dustin Hoffman film. Sunday yeah. Bloody Sunday, which is one that I never saw, but I want to see. It's on my list. So, yeah, check it out. It's uh, it's great. Have you seen Midnight Cowboy? I have not, no. Yeah, I would recommend it. I think you would like it a whole lot. I'll have to get into it, then. Yeah, I think that you'll be really impressed with just the technique in this. It's interesting. This was nominated for uh, Best Editing. Although I thought the editing was really, really odd. Like, I wasn't a big fan of the editing. Did they ever, like, cut to someone? They just said, ice cream. And then it cut back to, like, Hoffman no. and Voight just standing there. No. Was it like Battle of Ham was giving him a blowjob and then it just cuts to, like, a random guy? <laughs> He's like, ice cream. Then it cut back? No. Uh. Can't, can't say as they did that. <laughs> okay. No. But, uh... Was it wasn't like that. It was just, uh, I guess, I mean, the editing, I'm sure, is very intentional. I just, it didn't really, there were some things that I was like, eh, eh. Like, there's a scene where Dustin Hoffman falls down a flight of stairs, and the way that, like, John Voight and then this woman that is paying to have sex with him, they're, sta- they're standing at the bottom of the stairs, and, the, like, their reaction and the way that they looked, the way it was cut, it was just felt really weird. Mm-hmm. But, but it was that scene was pretty funny though. He just falls down a flight of stairs, and at first you th- you're like concerned for him, but then John Voight's like, "Y'all right?" You know, and it's like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, we're not we're not being serious anymore. Oh my! So, yep, that's Midnight Cowboy. Mm. All right, uh, let's move on and talk about some predictions. Last week, Ghostbusters. You said eighty. I said seventy six. Actual seventy three. And, okay. Yeah. And the infiltrator, you said 56, I said 42, actual 65. The infiltrator. The infiltrator. Next week we have Ice Age Collision Course. Uh How many Ice Ages is I that? have no idea. I've I have not seen a single Ice Age movie because they all look bad to me. The whole like uh Scrat, the little squirrel thing. Oh uh, yeah. They're all about him. <laughs> Like, I don't know, just none of those movies, like those movies and the Madagascar movies, they just never, Yeah, no thanks. I don't know, they just don't appeal to me. I, maybe it's because I'm not like a seven-year-old kid. But. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Uh, so what are you thinking about Ice Age Collision Course? Oh, hmm. uh, 60. 60? All right. I'll say 58 on that one. Then we have Star Trek Beyond new star trek movie you know oh, I, yeah yeah i'm i'm uh i'm actually not too interested in this i'll probably go see it i liked the first two i really did 
but for some reason it's just like eh, I don't really care too much about this one. It looks pretty uh, decent. I think yeah. Simon Pegg wrote it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I just saw that Ice Age closing course is sixteen percent. <laughs> Uh, probably should have looked that up before predicting (laughs) no it's gonna get a ton of good reviews i'm sure i'm sure that it's gonna it's gonna rebound uh for star trek beyond i will say 68 okay i'm gonna say 72 all right and then we have lights out this is a this is a horror film low budget horror film I'm actually pretty interested in this one. The the, the uh, trailers make this look really, really creepy. Now, I was pretty much... I still am pretty much done with supernatural horror movies. I didn't see The Conjuring 2, although I heard it was good. But this one... Man, this one is just intensely creepy. Have you seen any trailers for this? I have not. It basically no. plays with the whole fear of the dark. And the fact that there are, there are like, ghosts or or whatever in the dark. So the so the premise is you have to keep the lights on to stay safe. That should be pretty easy. Yeah, you would think so, but who knows? As long as you pay your electric bill, you should be fine, right? Maybe, maybe. I don't know what's gonna happen. I just I don't know if they have enough for a full length here. I mean, obviously you just keep you just pay your bills and keep the lights on. It might actually. I think maybe this is actually based or adapted from a short film. I think you're right. I think it is. Um, what are you thinking on this one? I'm thinking, um, I think everyone's going to go apeshit for it. It's going to be like an 82. Wow. It's not actually going to be good. I don't I don't think people are going to go apeshit. I think... Oh, yeah? Nah, okay. I don't. I'm going to... I think I'll enjoy it, but I'll say... I'll say 42 on that one. Yeah. In limited release next week, we have Absolutely Fabulous, the movie... Mm-hmm. Abfab coming back. <laughs> I just uh, I I have so many memories of absolutely fabulous. Of being absolutely fucking annoyed. Yeah, but, yeah because I because during the summers I would be all excited. <clears throat> I'd sit down to eat my lunch. Yep. I'd turn on Comedy Central, hope to get some kids in the hall or some SNL, and it would be Abfab. And it would be Abfab for like the next it, seven yeah, it, hours. It would be nothing but absolutely fabulous for like ten hours. I'd be like, what is going on here? And that terrible song, the intro song, the mm-hmm. wheels on fire. <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. I want to hear you sing more of that song. That's that's the I don't even know if those are actually the words. I think those are the words. Uh I have no interest in this one. I I've been seeing trailers for it. Like when I go see uh, indie movies and stuff, they always have trailers uh, for this. With this. And it doesn't look mm-hmm. funny at all. Like I don't understand. I just I've never found them funny. No. I just like I don't. It's just not my type of humor. I guess I just don't get it. I, I don't I know. Like, I don't even know what's supposed to be funny about. I it. know. Same. I feel like it's the old style British humor. You know, like when when people talk about British humor and that it's not funny. They, they're talking about absolutely fabulous. They're talking about that and then the other the other comedies that were big during that time period. Before, before like, the UK somehow got funny all of a sudden. Uh, also in limited release, we have Don't Think Twice. That's the new Mike Birbiglia comedy with uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Gillian Jacobs. And Mike Birbiglia is also in it. It's about improv. 
Uh, This is decent. I saw it at Tribeca. It's okay. Uh, I think that that's probably going to be on VOD too, but uh, let's see what else do we got here. Not a whole lot to mention. Yeah, that's pretty much it for theaters next week. On VOD, uh, let's see, we have, this is for uh, Tuesday, July 19th, Vintage Tomorrows. That's a documentary about steampunk, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sure. Not, sure. Not, not sure why we need that. Uh, on, and then on Friday, we have The Childhood of a Leader, which I'm ooh, very excited about yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brady Corbett. There you go. Very excited about that one. Don't Worry Baby and Quitters. I just want to point out something else here, because I just, I just discovered something else about Ice Age Collision Course. And I like how that I'm learning about this movie because I never heard of it until this episode and I'm learning about it as the episode goes through. And now I've seen the poster for it, which is that thing, whatever his name is with the acorn thing. And apparently he's in space this time. Like, <laughs> what? what? Really? <laughs> he's, in his, yeah, he's in a space suit. He has a space helmet. And they even built the suit like around his tail and he has his foot on top of the acorn. Oh, I see. So I guess he's, he's in space now. So this is going to be the worst. Can I change that to a zero? <laughs> okay. Now, if I knew that this was in space, I, I would have made it a zero. And apparently it's just Scrat this time. Oh, yeah. Scrat's epic pursuit of the elusive acorn catapults him into the universe where he accidentally sets off a series of cosmic events that transforms and threatens the Ice Age world. How does it catapult him in, like, oh, my God. I mean, they're just... It looks so. That looks so bad. Are all the voices the same? Ray Romano, John know. Leguizamo, Dennis Leary, Jennifer Lopez, Queen Latifah, Adam Devine. Looks like a lot of them are the same. Because I know Ray Romano, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Leary, and Jennifer Lopez was were all in the other ones. Oh, and Queen Latifah yeah. too. Hmm. Well, looks pretty terrible. Simon Pegg's in that one, and and Nick Offerman. Neil deGrasse Tyson plays Neil DeBuck Weasel. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a fun Yeah, joke. that's wonderful. Next week on Blu-ray, this is for Tuesday, July 19th. We have, oh, what do we have here? Kill Zone 2. Uh, I'd recommend checking that one out. You were a big fan of that one. Hell yeah. Kill Zone 2. I'm always confused because you say Kill Zone 2, and I always think of it as SPL. Yeah. So I'm like, Kill Zone. Yeah. Killzone 2 is the American name. SPL <laughs> 2 is the international name. Gotcha. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice comes out. Uh, and I don't know if this is... I mean, I'm guessing that the one that's coming out is, is the uh, like ultimate edition or whatever the hell. The, the long... The one that's that goes from being too long to being ridiculously too long. Hmm. Uh, Demolition, that's the one with Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm. Uh, that's pretty much it. A whole shitload of anime, as usual. OJ Made in America, the the uh, ESPN 30 for 30 documentary. I heard great things, but it's like 10 hours long or something. Yes. And it's just like... Uh... I heard, yeah. I've heard a couple people say that it's amazing. Yeah. But I'm not sitting through that. Like, I sat through a three-plus hour comedy. That's as far as I'm going. <laughs> That's like I'm done. They do again with Made in America. They break it up, so you it's more of a 
TV show. You wouldn't have to watch the whole thing. There's there's breaks. So uh, that's pretty much it for for Blu-ray releases. What do you have? Uh, are there any Criterion's next week? Are there any Criterion? There's three. Whoa. Yeah. Watch out. We got Night and Fog and Muriel or The Time of Return, both from Alan Reznaz. Got both of those coming out. And then you also have A Touch of Zen from King Who, 1971. Oh, Wuxia. The Wuxia class? Wuxia action. Yeah, not into those. Night and Fog has a cool cover, a little minimalist cover. Yeah. I feel like I saw that movie. Probably did. It's a, is it a Holocaust uh, World War II yeah. movie? Yeah, I feel like I yeah, did see that yeah. movie. More than likely. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulsenet, at filmpulsekevin. And please take a minute to look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. And consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.